The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. The House Show. For over one year, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. This one goes out to all the gorgeous ladies. The Retro Network, The House Show Podcast, and Fabergé Organics Shampoo proudly presents to you this detour on the path through the decade of decadence. As we turn the house show into the house glow. Now let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The mass library, Kevin Helliens. The educator of excellence and sweet Maddie Treats. Now strap on your spandex glittering thongs because there ain't no business like glow business. Welcome everyone to another edition of the House Glow. It is me as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and I am joined by our trio's tag team partners. To my left is none other than the educator of excellence, educator. How you doing over there? Happy Thursday morning, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody out in Retroland today? Welcome to our show. Looking forward to chit-chatting you guys up about some gorgeous ladies of wrestling. We've got the tournament going on. We see some final booking changes here that lead to actual like storyline developments, follow-throughs. We see a significant, significant change in gimmick. For one of our main eventers, so to speak. So, lots to talk about on this particular episode. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, if it has a different vibe to it, this episode. Yes. Uh, the the next two episodes definitely have a different vibe, if you ask me. Um, but why don't we go ahead and introduce the man to my right? He's forty three years old. His house is torn apart. He got a birthday shout out from Jackson Riker. He is none other than Kevin Hallians, the Mass Library. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing all right. And yeah, for for listeners here, I asked uh, Treats to break kayfabe and tell me how that came about, and he will not reveal, will not reveal how that birthday message happened. Yeah. So okay. So I'll just explain it. So there is a uh, a website called Cameo. There it is. Where you can go ahead and buy birthday messages from these people. They get I don't know. I think 70% of the money. Cameo gets 30% of it all up. Yada, yada, yada. Jackson, Ra- Jackson Riker's word- on there. Do they add it to their word up money? So, yeah. Uh, so, so, anyways, Jackson Riker's on there. Now, me being the shrewd businessman that I am, I don't want to give him any money whatsoever. But they have what they ha- what they call previews. So you can make your video private or you can make it public and they, they post it. So uh, what I did with Kevin was I took a preview video, preview video. I took the audio off that and then I spliced in my own words. I don't know if you've noticed that. So really, that was a happy birthday message for a four year old. That's why it was the night of WrestleMania or WrestleMania mm-hmm. 2. That's why you hear me saying 43 in the background. Because uh, I'm not giving him any money. Are you kidding me? 
See, I thought maybe you had a friend that actually did get it for their four-year-old, and you just borrowed theirs. Um, Kevin, you guys are my only friends, number one. <laughs> uh, that like wrestling. Uh, so it's it's one of those things, you know? I wanted to, uh, to do something special for you, Kevin, so... You're a week later, a week later. I did, however, I did have a new dessert for my birthday. Okay, what was it? So, so as as part of the process of the house being all torn up, I have I just do not care for what I'm eating or drinking lately. Like, because some days I can't even get to the fridge. Wait, or so to you a can cupboard. you can use that as an excuse for for eating and drinking garbage? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah, because I have to have what I can get to. Uh, it's it's kind of like eating goulash. It's not what I want, but it's what I'm able to get. So I was, I had a root beer in the fridge that I was able to get to, and my oat milk. And let me tell you, splash of root beer in a glass, like maybe quarter, third of the way, and the rest of it for the almond milk or the oat milk, whichever one, was like just drinking a float it was fantastic well i've heard like oat milk is uh creamier the regular right. milk am i am i wrong yeah. in thinking that? no no it's fantastic and it and i don't get sick after <laughs> but this was amazing this was a new this surprised me it's a new treat it's gonna be a staple in my life from now on until i need my stomach stapled for having too many of them Oh, man. Um, did it. <laughs> so, out of food you've invented, Kevin, uh -huh, what, what uh -huh. would you call this? The, the the Mass Library float? What do you call it? Oat float. The oat float. Okay. Um, you also, of course, famously made the Mega Rodeo Burger. Super Rodeo Burger. Yeah. Super Rodeo Burger. Excuse me. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah. That does make me sick every time. What? Uh, have you made <laughs> so any good. other kind of foods? So, funny you ask. And she'll come running in if she hears this. So when Elise and I were dating and she was living down here and I was still living in my hometown, I uh, messaged her one night. I was like, I made the best dinner. She goes, what'd you do? I said, well, I was looking around the house. I was trying to find something to make. And I came up with this off the top of my head. She's like, oh, what is it? I said, you know, I'm excited for it. I said, I took a can of cream of mushroom soup. I took some rice took some chicken put it onto a casserole thing and i baked it and it came out so good oh it's fantastic because you created it all yourself i'm like yeah yeah off the top of my head and i was dead serious she goes can you do me a favor of course can you get the can of soup is it still around i go oh yeah it's in recycling she's like okay go ahead and grab it for me I'm like all right so i walk over grab it i go you want to know what brand it is like make it yourself or you're buying something she goes no 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 could you Turn it around from the front label. Is there a recipe on there? Oh, there is. She's like, could you tell me what the recipe is? Was it the same recipe? Same thing. <laughs> I legit thought I came up with on the yeah. spot. Well, you know, it's funny, Kevin, is that reminds me of when I wrote Miracle on 35th Street, which yep. is the, you know, the, the, the Miracle on 34th Street, when I thought of the idea of Miracle on 34th Street, when we were, of course, walking the mall. And came up with that idea for, you know, 
stole that movie idea. I have this great movie idea. Kevin's about a Santa. He's a mall Santa. And he's the real Santa, but no one thinks he's real. And like a little kid, like a little girl believes in him. And he's, she's the only one that does. I go, oh, that's a great idea for a movie. Matt, why don't you call it Miracle 34th Street? That's the dumbest effing name I've ever heard for a movie. Why would I call it that? I want to call it like Real Santa or something. Yeah, Real Santa sounds good. Um... <laughs> I, uh, I I make uh, what I call lazy man lasagna. Okay, tell me about it, Garfield. All right, so what it, basically what it is, it's goulash, but with ricotta cheese. <laughs> 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 it's all your it's all your fixings of what you would put in your lasagna, but you're just too lazy to layer it. There you go. And that's of course the next. Kevin, you know the you know there's a. There's a James Bond movie coming out. You know what the the character of the the female character of the next James Bond movie is, Kevin? Oh God! No, man. It's a uh, pussy goulash. <laughs> All right, there you go. I can't tell. I can't tell that story on there. She's a, she's an Italian woman. No, so Kevin. <laughs> no, we can't. There's layers to this, right? No, just there's layers to this story. Yeah, okay. Uh, educator, do you make any food in your house? I mean, you have a wife though, so. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, are you the cook, or is is your wife the cook? She does. Uh, I mean, because I'm spending most of my time after school. I'm either at game store or doing driver, uh, driving lessons through the driving school. So I usually come home and I'm getting leftovers. So most of the time, she's doing the cooking. Even even throughout the years, like. Would yeah. be the main. Yeah, she's usually more. She, she, more she, she's good, good cook. Absolutely fan, fantastic. Nice. I did well. I married up. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. Well, why don't we get right into the reason we are all here? Uh, we are watching uh, Glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Uh, we are gonna start. Guess where we're starting, guys? Stop me if you've heard this. We're starting in the women's locker room. Uh, in comes old ass Tulsa with her bag of bones, uh, just coveted. <laughs> she looked really, you know, it's funny. Not that she's old. I don't want to say she's old because she's probably younger than we are currently. Mm-hmm. But, she's older than the other girls. But she stands out so much because the other uh, female competitors and performers just are so young. Yeah, they're in their early, early 20s. And she's in her old old bones um of course we're in beautiful las vegas at the riviera we get our card breakdown we get a shampoo commercial uh we get tiffany's glow gossip and then we get our glow rep intro and that leads to our first match on the card which is a run for the rubies match which features roxy roxy aster roxy taking on it's episode Mabel. 15, but we got there. Taking on Mabel. So, uh, educator. Like Mabel from Men on the Mission. Maybe. Oscar's wrapping her out. Uh, what do you, uh, what'd you think of this match? Quick. Uh, it made sense, of course, you know, why a tag wrestler would continue on in the tournament. I can't imagine why there would be that kind of swerve, but uh, very, very quick, quick paced match couple of quick maneuvers here or there but a, a wacky roll up and there we go one two three these two episodes are really interesting for lots of reasons um like we said last episode there definitely seems to be an increase in ring talent uh the 
announcer goes off the rails. Um, just interesting things with Run for Ruby's tournament, but also I notice a lot of things happening in the crowd in this episode. A lot of my attention was drawn towards weird stuff happening in the background. I took a video for this one, which I'll remember to post on our Twitter, and I'll do Facebook too, or or just send it directly so educator can see it. All right. But there is the worst short shorts man spreader in the front row. Oh, my I've ever seen. <laughs> I thought we were about to have to cut to super glow motion so they could censor him. Yeah, there's a lot of censoring going on in these episodes. Um, yeah. But to me, it feels like even even starting with this. Um, there there's been a shift and I don't know what it is. I honestly think that this was a different season that was recorded and the people who own this, whether it's two by whoever's putting it out now are just calling it season, like a continuation of season three, but there's been a, a complete shift in how glows presented. The matches seem like they're right. actually trying to do wrestling moves. Right. Um, and this is throughout. Uh, this is just kind of one of the, the presence about it. Uh, you know, there's different endings now to the matches. It's not the same schmas finish, or this person does this and then this person runs out. We haven't seen the cops break out a brawl in a few weeks. Um, right. I, I, I really feel like there's been a tonal shift um, yeah. in the action. This episode, we don't talk about the pillar outside of the ring getting smashed up and drywall going everywhere. There's really not too, too much brawling um, on the floor, a little bit here and there, but immediately back into the ring. And for the most part, we get, for both episodes, we pretty much almost get clean a clean finish throughout. So, yeah, there were some that I thought, "Wow, I really actually enjoyed that match." Like not at a glow level, but at an actual wrestling level. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. All right, educator, why don't you go ahead and break down our opening contest? Absolutely. So, Roxy Astor's on the microphone. She's cutting a promo. Has her back towards the locker room where Mabel ends up sneaking in from behind. She actually has another hood that she ends up putting on top of Roxy as she's cutting her promo. Eventually, uh, Roxy is able to escape. We see Mabel do a corner Irish whip. Roxy ends up avoiding Mabel's charge into the corner, and Mabel crashes and burns into the turnbuckle. We see Roxy Astor with a hammerlock, twisting Mabel's arm behind her back. Mabel is eventually able to escape. Mabel does an Irish whip, but Roxy counters and ends up doing like this kind of like a front roll drop down, almost like a football like chop block that causes Mabel to fall down to the canvas. We see Roxy Astor with an Irish whip into the ropes, and she does a pretty stiff swinging clothesline to take Mabel down to the canvas. Roxy with another Irish whip and hits an impressing uh, an impressive running jumping back elbow to knock Mabel down. Roxy ends up, starts working on Mabel's hood, twists it sideways so that she can't even see out of any of the uh, the holes to be able to see where she's going. And we kind of see Roxy do almost kind of like a backland bridge, rushing Mabel into the ropes, and then does a quick roll up for a one, two, three pinfall victory. The winner and advancing to the next round in the Glow Crown Tournament, Roxy Astor. You know, we mentioned it for this feeling like another season here, but I mean, Maple doesn't do anything in the ring, but Roxy actually had a lot here. And Roxy had never put as, you know, my, my could wrestle for another promotion list, but 
real good clothesline, real good rolling tackle, um, using Mabel's momentum to roll her up for the pin. Like, it was a very smart wrestling match out of her. Very well thought out. Love the spot of turning the hood. That was just really playful, really fun, made a ton of sense for it. Like, it, it it's Mabel, so, you know, all the baggage that comes with that. But really good, real impressed with Roxy. I'm loving this new, this weird new season here for all the girls for it. Um, before the announcer gets too far with things, he had a great line in this match that uh, Mabel is a refugee from Mayberry, and Roxy may bury her in this match. Stupid thing. I loved it. But uh, we were not making jokes. Ba- not as bad as some of the other stuff he's gonna. we're going to hear throughout nope. these episodes. Nope. nope. I'm <laughs> trying to remember how many I got written down, but yeah, there was a Ugh. lot. Yeah. Um, But we mentioned when they showed uh, the glow run for the rubies, the, the vacant crown commercials promos last week how is this working who's in it what's going on there's a little bit of detail that the announcer gives in this match during the match but the math doesn't work out for me um there are 20 women in this oh it's explained later don't you worry yeah yeah but i'm a little confused here already now i don't do march madness or any tournaments or or sports or athletic endeavors at all really but I know how brackets work. And so far, 20 is not making sense to me. Very interesting. Do you think Mabel could, like, I, I still think it's someone that we're familiar with just doing double duty. But, like, what? where do you think, like, clearly nothing can happen from this gimmick, you know? Right. I'm bothered by it for many reasons. Oh, it gets it gets bad at the end of the, Does very, it? Of the last episode. Oh, very very bad. I, I know some things too. We'll yeah. get there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something. It's something. So, uh, we follow that up with a Doctor Feel in Grope segment with Vicky Victory. Uh, then we get Big Bad Mama and Daisy putting on their makeup in the back. We get a shampoo commercial, and then we get a Zelda's zingers. Anything from those guys? I mean, it's just your generic stuff. Nothing. Your generic locker no. room banner. The girls putting on their makeup. You know, poking fun at one of the other uh, members of the of the roster here. The Zelda zingers are the goofy one-liners that she has. Status yeah, quo, yeah. baby. I mean, at this point, it has to be an exceptional joke in one of these for me to give it any more attention. Yeah, right. And that leads us to match number two on the card. Now, it's funny, guys, because you know usually. This is the educator main event, this match coming up here. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the edu- I mean, the only way you can make this match better for the educator if it was a three-way with little Fiji. Little Fiji in there. Oh, baby. Uh, but this is the Dementia takes on Cheyenne Shear for the educator's heart. Cheyenne Shear in her cheerleader gimmick, not her Native American gimmick. Rocking the cheerleader outfit this week. Uh, so she's not tagging up, but she's still got the cheerleader guard. Educator, on. let me ask you a question. When you guys are role playing, do you like the cheerleader or do you like the Indian folklore, Cheyenne Cheer? I, I gotta go with the cheerleader. Not a Tataka fan. Not a, well, you know, it's just, doesn't do it for me. Interesting. I, <laughs> I do want to point out that he said cheerleader, 
Uh, he does work at a high school. FBI, hey, just simmer down. FBI, just make sure you're out there watching. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of this match? Uh, it, by the way, Dementia is my f- probably my second favorite uh, character. She's phenomenal. Yeah. This is a great match. I love the interaction at the start of the match with the ice cream cone. I thought it was great. Uh, fun match again. Uh, Cheyenne share with the obvious gymnast like background doing the handsprings cartwheels and all that stuff. This was a fun, fun match. Liked it a lot. Um, can never get enough of both of either dementia or Cheyenne share. Dementia, not the best wrestler though. There, there were a couple interesting things in this match, but for character standpoint, she covers all that up. Like the characters are so engaging and so interesting right. that you can ignore, you know, uh, a botch or a slip up. Yeah, by far she's my favorite, favorite, um, you know, character going on. So, uh, educator. All righty. So the start of the match begins. Cheyenne Cher comes to the ring. She's got an ice cream because she feels that poor dementia never had a really solid childhood and probably never had the opportunity to have ice cream. So she gives uh, gives Dementia an ice cream cone, and Dementia's not really sure what to do with it, so she sticks it on her forehead and creates basically like a unicorn horn uh, for the ice cream cone. She ends up removing the ice cream cone and then shoves it into Johnny C's face, knocking him down to the canvas, and he ends up scurrying um, out of ringside back to the announcer's table. We see Cheyenne Cher uh, now involved in the match with a big running dropkick. Cheyenne Cher tries to do a corner monkey flip as Dementia was backed into the corner, but Dementia essentially counters out of that monkey flip attempt by doing a chokehold to Cheyenne Cher. We see Dementia with a big chop to the gut of Cheyenne Cher. Dementia tries to do a standing suplex to Cheyenne Cher, but Cheyenne Cher's momentum, she was able to roll out of it, almost turn it kind of like into a DDT, but more of like a cradle roll through to avoid getting dropped on the canvas. We see Cheyenne Cher with an Irish whip, but it was reversed by Dementia, and Dementia ends up catching her single-handed choke, kind of like Kane would in uh, WWE lore here. I was hoping to see a possible choke slam, but Certainly not the case here in 1989, 1990 glow. Uh, Instead, we see dementia basically toss Cheyenne share over the top rope onto the floor on the floor. Dementia punches Cheyenne share in the gut. Dementia picks up Cheyenne share for a big scoop slam and ends up tossing her um, onto some of the fans in the front row of, of the audience. Eventually both of the ladies end up back in the ring. Dementia attempts another suplex attempt but instead falls forward and ends up dropping her down on the canvas for a gourd buster. Cheyenne share is essentially out of it face first on the canvas and dementia decides to go get her bubbles and grabs her bottle of bubbles and starts blowing her bubbles in the ring by sitting down on Cheyenne Cher's body. Had she rolled Cheyenne share over shoulders down, this definitely would have been a pinfall because Cheyenne share did not move for a good 20, 25 seconds. Eventually, uh, Cheyenne Cher makes a recovery. The bubbles get tossed to the side. Dementia goes for a body slam as- uh, attempt, but Cheyenne Cher turns it essentially into like a crossbody press. Ends up getting a two count from the referee. 
Cheyenne Shear gets up, stomps dementia one or one or two times, and then hits the ropes. And Cheyenne Shear does a handspring into kind of like a senton or almost like a flailing like double leg drop. That is a forward tumble over on top of dementia's body. And she lands squarely on the body, and the referee calls, counts for the pin, one, two, three. And your winner after that handspring, Senton, is Cheyenne Cher. I kind of wonder, like, I wasn't sure if Cheyenne was selling that move or actually her or what there. Because when Dementia goes for... Because, geez, she's not the only one. It happens multiple times in these two episodes. Someone's picking up their opponent, and they're not quite picking up the proper way for suplex, and they're not quite picking up the proper way for body slam either. It's a combination of both, so you don't know what move they're going for until they actually hit it. Dementia hitting neither. It's neither suplex nor slam. Like she said, she just falls forward. You call it a gourd buster. I call it making the best of the situation you're stuck in and just rolling with the move. But yeah, Cheyenne just does not move. I thought she was knocked out for sure. And Dementia's just like, well, I'm not supposed to win this match. I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, Treats, I'm not sure if you were paying attention or not, but I swear Sunny the California girl is hanging out in the crowd. Oh, yeah? Just sitting there in like the second row. I mean, they need they out. need seat fillers. So maybe it was looking like a uh, an episode of AEW Dynamite. <laughs> I was going to say, what is this, Dynamite on Wednesday here? We're putting all of the uh, the guys from the YouTube Dark Show. Can on? I ask a question, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll rewatch it to see where Sunny is. Is she located next to the gun club or by them? I, I don't. I wasn't quite sure. Um, I See, I thought you were going to take your Vegas knowledge. I figured um, as Sunny's not in the ring or some might say the stage, then she's walking around the the audience, the crowd, you know, talking people up and everything. She might be. I mean, perhaps there's a glow champagne room. Well, you know what? It's funny because dementia does like a little bit of the bubbly. So (laughs) there it is. There it is, baby. Um, so while I was watching this, uh, the subtitles were on, um, at least we'll turn subtitles on for stuff. And half the time I just don't bother turning them off. But they're not quite correct. So Dementia with the axe is a Lizzie Borden reference. The axe and she gives 40 wax. Now, how would you spell 40 wax in that way? W-H-A-C-K-S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, the <laughs> subtitles spell it W-A-X right. and wax. Hair removal, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the quote on the subtitles uh, for Dementia's rap opening was, so give her a bone for the wax. W-A-X. I mean, don't mind if I do, but it, it implies something I don't think they're going for. I don't know. It's glow. Maybe they're going for it. Oh, you're shaking your head now. Just wait, because I'm glad this was not the hot tag of the show. Because my notes for the closing of this match is... Share with a handstand flip and the greatest cover I would pay way too money too much money for for the pin in either outfit. Uh watch your mouth when you're talking about the educators. Yeah. What are you doing? These are my ladies, man. Come on. <laughs> His number harem one and number two. The educator harem. It's one A and one B. Jeepers. 
Another thing too, Kevin, I, I just want to say this before we move on to the next match is I like how you say, well, I'm glad this isn't my thing because, oh, you should have read what my note is. Well, anyways, let me just read you <laughs> what my just note read is. Yeah. <laughs> you put you put yourself over. I would never. Next thing you know, I, I would... next thing you know, educator, he's going to have a Patreon with his notes on it or something. He's going to make Probably. that Oprah money. Got it. I would never purposely act like I'm coy or shy about telling a ridiculous story just to get the attention for the five, oh. ten minutes it takes me to tell the story. I've never right. once done that. Never. No. No, never at all. Never at all. So, uh, but why don't we follow that up with Godiva's Bare Facts? We get our run for the Rubies tournament. And we get an explanation now of kind of, sort of, how this is supposed to work. So the educator and the math. Let's try to break it down here. We have. Wait, 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 wait. Are we doing a Steinernomics? I don't know. It won't be full Steinernomics, but we're going we're gonna to try to break it down. <laughs> so it appears that there are going to be 20 ladies that are in this tournament. And the 20 ladies are eventually going to be broken down to five semifinalists. So my math says there's going to be 10 singles matches. So the winners will get cut down to 10. And then those 10 winners will have a second round set of matches will be cut down to five. Mm -hmm. And then there is going to be a battle royal because you can't cut five down even further. So the 14 or the 15 that were not successful in round one and round two are going to now be in a battle royal. And there's going to be one wild card spot winner where they will be brought back into the tournament. Those six will now have matches, singles matches, and then there will be three finalists. And I'm assuming that those three finalists will have a triple threat match for the championship. I think you're wrong, educator. I think so, too. Oh, no. No, because I think the way it works is it goes from 20 to 10 to 5. Then they have a wild card, okay, which then gets it down to 3, and then the battle royal winner would be 4, and that's your final. I think, or the wild card, the bed royal and wild card aren't in the same round. They're in separate rounds. That's the only way you could get to a final four. Crazy. Wait, so how do you go from five down? Because you you bring on that wild card or the battle royal winner. I'm going to say it's the wild card. Oh, you think there's two things? Yes. You think there's a there has a wild to be. card it's and a battle royal. That well, that's seven. Yeah. No, it's not. No, I, I no. But okay, so you have five. You have five, right? So yeah, twenty to ten to five. Okay, then right. you bring in your wild card winner. So you have six. Then they yeah. have their matches. Yeah, those six get cut to three. Three, three. and oh, then you, and then three. you have your battle royal winner. That's four. That's your final four. Okay. That's the only. So thing I see that what you're going sense. for now, but I. So w- w- what's your wild card? How does your wild card get chosen? I don't know. It's probably gonna be a farmer's daughter or something. One of the country yeah. girls from the day. It's it, it's glow. Do you really think there's a lot of logic being thrown into this, Kevin? See, I just don't think it's triple threat match because honestly, after our in your house series, I don't think anyone was doing a triple threat match yet. And if someone was innovating it, it wasn't going to be glow. I don't know. I mean, you don't think it's Savio Vega eight ball and. Uh... <laughs> It could be. I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of the gist that I got from it. But 
the way the numbers are, I mean, really, it should have been 24 competitors and then moved down. But right. they, it sounds like they downsized and they just don't have the the, the people. No. Because they're not using... Uh, Mountain Fiji, I don't think, is going to be in the tournament. And I don't believe Nanachka's in the tournament. Right. So... Probably should have just done 16. 16 to 8, 8 to 4, 4 to 2. Yeah. Done. You know, where were we when the booking committee was, was happening? Jeez, I mean. I was three. We're talking 89. They couldn't have just taken the WrestleMania 4 tournament brackets and just gone that route. True. Well, you know, they, mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't draw as well as I thought. So. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, we, we follow up after the, uh, the tournament commercial with MTV's Glow Connection. And then we go into match number three on the card. I just want to say for MTV's Glow Connection, considering Tiffany Mellon's post-Glow career, MTV's joke of Tiffany Mellon should learn how to play the trumpet seems very wrong. (laughs) Very, very wrong. Little bit. All right. Uh, So match number three on the card, which is Babe, the farmer's daughter, and Tulsa taking on Beauty and the Beastie of Godiva and Beastie. Uh, what'd you guys think of this one? I was so confused. I thought there that the heels had turned on each other and there would have been a disqualification after the referee somehow gets beat up. But then all of a sudden, nope, the match is just going to continue. And the heels that had turned on each other, they got their crap together and they won. So I don't know. It was so entertaining, though. It, was it very so much was. Silly and goofy. I loved it. it. Weird edits. Uh, there must have been something going on when you see Beastie like running her back against the ropes and against the ropes again, and then all of a sudden, both of the ladies, both of the faces are in the ring, and then she does a double headlock. It's like there had to be some weird edit going on here to justify why all of a sudden Sally's or Babe's in the ring. Uh, yeah, it was just crazy, but entertaining, and and kind of an homage to the heart foundation demolition or not demolition legion of doom kind of cool i like it uh but yeah it was a fun match um i wonder because we know sometimes there's a a violence edit you know someone gets hit with something we are discounting there had to have been wardrobe edits throughout the series so i kind of think that might be what this one is Maybe. Uh, and I want to say, man, like he's such a goof, but I saw Johnny C as a kindred spirit in this match because his reaction is Beastie's coming for him all puckered up. <laughs> I I can relate. I can relate to being in that situation and really wanting to avoid it, but I'm kind of stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> sure, Kevin. Sure. Goulash. Um, do you think they served that at BC's Beanery? Oh, <laughs> they did that night. Um, all right. So, uh, educator, why don't you go ahead and break down this match? So we see at the start of the match. Babe is in the ring. She ends up giving Johnny C a big old kiss on the cheek, and he is ever so excited to get the affections of Babe, the farmer's daughter. Godiva gets into the ring, grabs the microphone, and says, hey, since Babe is ever so forgiving, uh, we want to give you a kiss as well. And Beastie comes in and lays on a big one to Johnny C. And, uh, yeah, he he took it like a champ. We see the start of the match. Beastie with a chokehold onto Tulsa. She does an Irish whip. This is Beastie to, uh, to Tulsa and hits a back body drop. Then there's this weird edit where now both faces are in the ring. 
Uh, Beastie ends up doing a double headlock. She's holding both of them like she's going to like clunk their heads together. Godiva now gets into the ring and she's starting to get mad. She's starting to get annoyed with Beastie because Beastie won't tag her in, won't get her involved in the match. Uh, Beastie ends up kicking Godiva in the gut. Godiva then responds with a punch in the gut back to Beastie. Beastie then throws a punch into Godiva. Uh, and the ring announcer or the uh, color commentator, I should say, says that Beastie laid a punch into Godiva's, quote, well padded belly. Not so fond, apparently, of Godiva that that announcer is. Godiva gets mad and there's a response, slaps Beastie in the face. And then Beastie responds by attacking the referee and body slamming the referee in the match. I would assume that that would be a disqualification, but that would, again, apply logic here, as that is not the case. Eventually, the referee uh, does recover. Tulsa ends up hitting a Godiva with a dropkick from behind, and it sends Godiva into the corner. We see Babe now being involved in the match. She does a corner Irish whip. Babe ends up uh, stopping on the uh, onto the rope itself and then does a jump and uh, drops down from the top rope into a top rope stomp onto a downed Godiva. Godiva eventually does recover and hits an Irish whip and does a back body drop to Babe. Godiva does a corner Irish whip, but Babe is able to avoid contact and climbs onto Godiva's back and then does that forward farmer's roll three times into the ring. Ends up dropping an elbow onto a downed Godiva. Babe then begins to work an arm bar onto Godiva, but Godiva then escapes and reverses with a leg scissors wrapped around uh, Babe's head. We see Godiva hit uh, Babe with a big scoop slam, and then Godiva ends up picking up Babe, similar to setting up for the heart attack like she's Jim the Anvil Nightheart. And we see BC climb to the top rope like she's Hawk from Legion of Doom. And she ends up hitting a clothesline off of the top rope to knock down, uh, knock down Babe that was being held by Godiva. And Godiva gets the pinfall one, two, three victory. Your winners after fighting each other. But now uh, BFFs again, uh, Beauty and the Beastie. I would call it the down under. For how they position their opponent and then, you know, ending up getting the win for it. I'd call it the down under. So you can't steal, you know, heart attack or doomsday device or whatever for it. A lot of gut punches in in this match and these two shows and all. Like, it's the new go-to move for a lot of them. I thought the tease of the team breaking up of Godiva and Beastie was fantastic. It was just funny. It was ridiculous. It was over the top. And then them just, like waving it off and being on the same page after and continuing on with the match was fantastic. Cause honestly, I'm thinking like, I don't think you can turn either of them face. Like, I really don't see how it works. If you're going to do beastie as a face and like clean her up and, and make her more used to, you know, polite society, I guess that's the same angle we've seen the farmer's daughters and, and some of the other people do with Daisy. You can't, do Godiva as a face because I think as soon I don't think you can have Godiva and Tiffany Mellon on the same side for one of the few long-term stories going on in Glow. Yes, I don't know how the referee didn't call for the DQ. <laughs> it makes zero sense. But you know, again, we bring it up every week. It's Glow. We just kind of roll with it. And and it's been a couple weeks. 
I saw it coming. I was worried they weren't going to do it. I love the farmer's role. That's the most ridiculous move in possibly all of Glow, and I love it every time they do it. I really, I uh, the more and more I see him, I wish there was a Glow tag bell. I guess there was in season one or two, so previous to what we've had access to, and then it just went away when one of the women left the company and they never brought it back. But I would be all for putting belts on Beastie and Godiva. They are just so entertaining as a team. I like them together more than I've liked any of their matches separate. Uh, then we follow that up with Reform School with Sarah and Mabel. Uh, educator, this was growing on you. Um, are you still a oh. fan of Sarah and Mabel? I am a fan of Sarah and Mabel in Reform School. Using vocabulary terminology correctly is by all means making advancement in society. All right. Using uh, the word decrease in a sentence. And Mabel is all about having the tailor put a decrease in her pants. Mm-hmm. Kevin. Press press mm-hmm. a decrease in the pants. Have mm-hmm. you ever pressed a decrease in your pants? <laughs> or was that dick grease? Oh, jeez. Too far. I was just going with. I haven't done a crease, but I've done a tent. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so we get Vicky Victory with Shy and Cher putting on makeup. Uh, we get a shampoo commercial. Then we get Mountain Fiji Dream Sequence with Vicky Victory. Vicky Victory's all over this episode. She is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's just a lot going on with her. Uh, um, and so for the for the Mount Fiji Mount Fiji Dream Sequence there again, I had the subtitles on. I always thought she was saying like. Tiki? No, she's saying tickle, right? Tickle, tickle, yeah. tickle, 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 tickle. I never <laughs> realized that. We said tickle, tickle, tickle to uh, the second level in Super Mario Brothers. Tickle, 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 tickle. And then we go to match number four on the card, which is our second run for the Rubies match, which features Chris Starlander taking on Sally, the farmer's daughter. Uh, what did you What did you think of this one, guys? Hot tag to hell you! <laughs> wait, 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 you didn't even tell us your thoughts on the match. You're just going right That's to the hot, the hot tag to hell you! <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, <sighs> ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Kevin Hellions hot tag of the evening. Uh, Kevin. Why don't you talk about uh, Chris Starlander here? You shut your mouth. This is such a bad match. Chris Statlander is fantastic. And I want to thank Adam for picking the odds homework this week because it was my birthday week. And when I saw that Chris Statlander match, I realized he gave me some cake. So each and every week on the show these two conspire to send me a match to review i do not know what's coming ahead of time so my notes are just my notes i don't get to to prep to uh add more witty repartee to these matches and this is not nowhere near did i guess it was gonna be this one (laughs) probably why is this one so we have star versus sally the other farmer's daughter um, if you watch the glow wrap at the beginning, we have a different version of Dimension in the background, portrayed by a different actress. Star definitely has an astrology gimmick here, not an alien gimmick. Star jumps Sally. Sally trips her. 
Sally with a downhill dart of a drop kick onto Star. Star with a wrist lock, no, a jumping wrist lock. Sally kicks. <laughs> and Sally kicks Star, and then Star catches the second attempt. We have a leg scissors in the corner, a little jockeying for position, and finally takes Star over. Are they refusing to work with each other? Yes. There starts yeah. a lot of tension, a lot of like just grabbing and pulling and nothing happening at all. Star finally takes Sally down and then chokes her. Then Sally returns favor and takes Star down. Sally flops off of the ropes onto the star. It's not even a move. She's just kind of like. Hey, Kevin, I give some I got to ask you a question. Mm hmm. <laughs> mentioned uh, uh, pulling. Pulling and tugging. Pulling yep. and tugging and nothing happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did that start happening once you hit 43? Well, I figured, I figured our commercial this week will be for our new sponsor, Blue Chew. Oh. Okay. I was just, I'm just curious. Oh, okay. So, uh, Sally just flops off the ropes onto Star. We have a second attempt at it, but Star pulls the her down dueling leg locks between the two ladies. Star whips Sally off the ropes and then clothesline. Again, but now this time Sally counters with a dropkick. Star comes off the rope. Sally knees her, takes her down with a headlock leg scissors. Sally ducks, grapevine Star's legs for the pin. Wow, that was bad. And then look at all of the kids running up to hug Sally at the end. Right. I did not expect a refuse to work with each other, stiff each other match, and glow. That's absolutely what is happening here. And that has been your Kevin Hellions breakdown. Star's work, like the arm twist and her selling, her grinding the elbow or leave, jumping out, her work was just not good at all. Not even remotely close of being believable, acceptable, anything on par with the the standard that i mean what the standard is for glow but it was just it was not good so out of place which is weird because she seems to be star this like really physically fit gym rat um she's very well in shape but it just it does not transfer at all in, in the ring whatsoever no she's got no star makes Sally look good right and Sally's usually one of the worst ones. Yeah. So uh, moving on, we follow that up with a Beasties Beanery commercial. We get our Glow Crown uh, segment where they're all trying on the crown. Uh, we get a shampoo commercial. We get Country Girl Dates. And then we go into match number five on our card, which is Daisy with Gremolina taking on Zelda the Brain. Now, a couple of things we have gone over, gentlemen is we wish we could recut these matches and put them in a different order. And this is a prime example of this match should have been caught. This match should have taken place before the match with Nanachka. Yeah, absolutely. Her, she that. should have. Yeah, she should have been, you know, free of dementia or, or of uh, Gremlina's control uh, before having her world title match with with Ninochka to kind of show, but I mean, 
it would have at least, you know, her not being at ringside rather than the ring announcers explaining that, you know, Gremlina did pulled some strings backstage that she wasn't going to be uh, at ringside. It would have made a lot more sense continuity wise having this first and then that world title or the glow crown match after the fact. I don't know that because part of it for me and, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here for next episode, but if you're not going to change her look too, like I, then does it really matter where this takes place? If, if you're not okay, completely jumping ahead. If you're not going to change her look and if you're not going to change what side she's in for the raps and the, the promos and stuff like that, then what have you really done here? Probably don't want to change your look because you know that the commentator is just going to bury you no matter what. <laughs> oh, wait, that's next point. episode. That's next episode. Well, I mean, the, the the looks that we've seen that have been changed substantially, Cheyenne Share going back and forth between the Native mm-hmm. American gimmick and, and the cheerleader gimmick, that works. Yeah. The, the change in the look we're going to talk about next episode, not so much. Not so much at all. So don't know if maybe there eventually will be a change in the look for um, for Daisy. Who knows? She's got to have some time to recover some finances, apparently. Oh, true, you know, true. Before she yeah, can... there's, there's no reason for her to wear tatters after the events of this match. But what are right. the events of this match? Yeah, Educator, why don't you go ahead and break down our main event? So we have Daisy with Gremlina versus Zelda the Brain. And we whoa, wouldn't whoa, whoa. have... Sorry, I got to pause. Versus who? Zelda the Brain versus quote one of the greatest stars in wrestling. Oh yes, I missed that part here. <laughs> it would not be a Zelda match unless Zelda took a bump trying to get into the ring. So she struggles trying to you know jump over the top rope and get into the ring itself. We see Daisy getting quite mad at Zelda as Zelda gets on the microphone and starts making fun of Gremlina, poking fun of her, and uh, Daisy attacks Zelda. Comes uh, with a co- big corner Irish whip and a few punches to Zelda's gut. We see Daisy with a big impressive beal for Zelda across the ring. Obviously, Daisy being so super big and Zelda being tiny, I'm sure it was easy for Daisy to pull off that beal, but it was pretty impressive looking. We see Daisy with multiple face slams shoving down uh, Zelda into the canvas. We see Daisy with an Irish whip, and she ends up picking up Zelda doing a tilt-a-whirl uh, and then over her shoulder into a body slam. Zelda does eventually recover. She does a running drop kick, and then she climbs to the top rope and does a pretty decent shoulder block leap off of the top rope onto Daisy, knocking her to the canvas. Ends up getting a two count from the referee. We see Daisy recover with a stiff atomic drop to Zelda. She does an Irish whip and does the big Kevin Nash diesel-like boot to knock Zelda down. We see Daisy with another corner Irish whip, uh, but Daisy ends up charging and Zelda moves out of the way. So Daisy kind of crashes and burns into the turnbuckle. Zelda tries to do another top rope shoulder block as uh, Daisy is stunned in the corner. uh, But Gremlina gets up on the apron after being shoved down the first time by Zelda. Gremlina gets up on the apron and ends up shoving Zelda off of the top rope. And she kind of crashes hard into the ring and she starts selling that she has a knee injury. She's clusping her, uh, yeah, clutching her right knee as if she's injured. We see Daisy with another Irish whip into the ropes to Zelda and catches her with a big hip toss. Daisy does another big scoop body slam, tossing Zelda down to the canvas. 
We see Daisy do an Irish whip to Zelda and hits her with a pretty good stiff clothesline. Then we see Gremlina getting involved in the match again. She gets into the ring, ends up grabbing Zelda from behind, double arm locking her from behind to leave Zelda's body exposed so that Daisy would attack. But Daisy refuses to attack. Gremlina ends up tossing Zelda onto the canvas. And because of that throwdown, uh, the referee ends up calling for a disqualification. As Gremlina goes for her whip and her other types of devices that she uses to control Daisy, Daisy finally steps up and stands uh, against Gremlina and ends up attacking her, stopping her, uh, for, uh, stopping Gremlina from attacking Zelda uh, further in the uh, in the match itself. We end up seeing Daisy stuffing Gremlina into a garbage can at ringside, kind of drops her head first throws her whip and her chain in the garbage can with Gremlina and then ends up stuffing that trash can lid right on top, right at ringside, solidifying that, yes, in fact, Daisy has broken free and she has now turned face. We get a follow-up segment where there is the Glow Girls ring wrap where Daisy is now rapping, uh, doing her little song and dance, but now she's surrounded with a bunch of the other face girls explaining that she is now finally free. Your winner of the match by disqualification is Zelda the Brain, but the bigger story is now Daisy is finally free uh, of Gremlina. I didn't, like, we've been expecting a Daisy face turn for a while, but I still didn't expect it here. So I really thought Zelda was injured. Like, I was absolutely positive she was injured. This was it for her. Um, Daisy, you know, all of them for Glow being more inexperienced. They're not picking up on hey, this is legit, and we, we should probably stop the match and take care of her. I really did not see it as part of the storyline. She did well for it, though. Um, Daisy in this match, and, and and maybe later, too, like a young Kevin Nash IC title building up for the world title actually has some, some energy, some momentum, and trying 110% in there, doing phenomenal. Man, she looked like a monster for this. She was so good for this match. Uh, Gremlina with, as educator said, when it's tossed into the, the trash can with her, with the whips and the chains, boy, they are just flat out. This is a kink storyline here without saying it for Saturday morning. Um, honestly, I wonder how far they debated on pushing it at times because they could have done a lot worse. Well, I don't mean worse. If that's your thing. Go ahead. But, you know, a lot more graphic. But when it finally happens, and, and again, we know it, it's been coming, it still kind of seemed out of nowhere. It still seemed rushed for this. Like, I felt like it should have been building up more and more, um, even if it just built up, like, last week or something. Like, it, it was finally done. We all saw it coming. And again, this is probably a re-edit, you know, the, the Order of the Glow episodes thing. But I just felt it could have been built up so much more. So, so finally we have this turn. Like if Daisy refused to help Zelda or or raised a hand or not Zelda. Yeah, refused to help Zelda. Refused to go along with what Gremlina asked. Raise a hand to Gremlina and then was like beaten down or, or talked down or anything. Like I felt she should have tried to break free a couple of times before she finally did here. You know, even you, you look back, I think the most famous one is Million Dollar Man and Virgil. 
you had that build up so many times where Virgil, you know, would pause before picking up the money or, or would give a look to the camera that Ted DiBiase couldn't see something like they built it up so well to have that giant pop when he finally turned. And I, I mean, looking at the crowd, maybe you couldn't get a giant pop out of them, but I've been waiting for this for so long. I think I was upset with the execution of it. You know, even though the crowd is small, the crowd's into it, Kevin. I, they go really nuts for Daisy. Like I said, I, this should have been before. And then, in my opinion, I would have went with Daisy winning the title off of Nanachka, winning the crown. Because, um, one, spoiler alert, I did not expect in our second episode for the Big, ba- big Bad Mama Daisy match to be the most athletic, most wrestling based match we would see later. And Daisy actually not a bad worker. Like I would have great from a wrestling standpoint. um, She's really, really grown on me. Maybe that explains why she's so tall, but she's, she, uh, she's great. I I really, I really enjoy her, her work and I look forward to it now. So um, just, you know, you wish they would have called that audible and, and done that, but, is you know happened 30 years ago so what can you do true true yeah um so we follow that up of course the educator talked about daisy's promo we get our don't do drugs psa with hollywood we get our mirror mirror segment we roll credits with two pies what's that <laughs> with two pies yeah one get barely glances her in the side and the ear she tries to rub it off and then gets crushed in the face when she smiles and says uh-uh. now vicky victory she's a face right so yes. I don't get the pie thing. I'm wondering if it's the heels that are tossing it at her. Oh, maybe. Yeah, we don't we don't see who threw the pie. Yeah, it's the same person that raised the briefcase. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting thing. Um, we do get our credits. I I did have, of course, Johnny C with Beastie at the end, but I thought it was very interesting. They're doing the glow T-shirt, and we see the T-shirt, and we have dementia in the T-shirt, but we also have her little. Uh, like Big Bird in the T-shirt yes. as well, which is fantastic. It is just continuity, keeping with the character. It's fantastic. She's the best. She really is the best. So uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of Glow. What did you guys think? Fun little episode, advancing the whole Glow. Uh, you know, run for the Rubies tournament. Obviously, the big story with the finally the face turn. Uh, with Daisy now becoming you know on the good guy's side, so to speak. And uh, hopefully completely breaking free of Gremlina. It'll be interesting to see where does Gremlina now go from here. Because we've always connected her with Daisy. We have yet to see her really in a true match. So where does Gremlina go? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, because... And Treats brought up the next match. uh, The Daisy's in. It would make sense for Gremlina to get another charge to go after Daisy and not have it be an overall aunt kitty wants Daisy back to the heel side thing. Yeah. I would see, I could see Gremlina becoming the third for beauty and the beastie. That could work. I think that would have been a good, a good spot for her, but, um, but why don't we take a quick little break and we will be back with more glow action. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This summer, return to normal. 
and do it while watching our favorite spy on the big screen. Because Mr. Bond, James Bond, is back. Hello, Mr. Bond. I see you're acquainted with my wife, Pussy. Pussy Goulash. Another action-packed mission that only James Bond can carry out is coming to the big screen. Watch him as he beds younger women. Watch him as he murders millions and millions of people. All while doing it in a tuxedo. This summer, James Bond is back. And he stars in The Summer of Goulash. And we are back. And of course, we start in the women's locker room. Uh, and then it's the same stuff as if you've listened to our show before. You guys know the format. Say it with me. We're hey, in- hang out. It's not the same. There's a language issue here. There is a huge, huge language issue here. Because I don't think I would have caught it if the previously mentioned subtitles weren't on. Okay. Now, I mean right here with Godiva. Is that what you're talking about, Educator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go for it. I mean, you obviously got your notes. Godiva calls the referee a twat. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he was being a twat. it's british it, it is so, and it's know. different there it's it's you right. know fanny bloody like the the slang is different and the implications on the side of the pond are different but i was i was still surprised yeah it's the same it's <laughs> the same um we're at the course we're still in las vegas at the beautiful riviera hotel and casino uh we get our card breakdown we get our shampoo commercial we get tiffany's glow gossip and then we get our rap intro which leads us to match number one on our card, which is the Run for the Rubies tournament match of Justice taking on Sarah. Educator. It's, to me, I, to me it seems obvious that, yeah, you're going to have, um, you know, you're not going to have one of your tags, tag girls, you know, advance in the storyline, but this particular character sarah against justice portrayed by who the actresses that portrayed justice that it's just it seems awkward in terms of pushing some racial issues that completely explode go way off the rails at the end of this episode with a segment of dialogue that Sarah and Mabel have wrapping up the show. This 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 was a tough show for me to get through between the color commentator and the continuously obvious fat shaming of a few of the ladies. He makes digs at Godiva, he makes digs at Big Bad Mama, he makes digs at Nanachka, which Nanachka didn't do herself any favors with the new gear anyway. But this, 
I, I this was troubling to get through. Really, it just I can't believe I even texted you guys. I'm like, how did this episode air with the amount of over the top, like blatant stuff, just cutting these women down? It was just it was pretty rough. Well, and it's also like we are we are very careful with raising Declan. Um, you know, any, any life lesson we can do for treating people equally, we will, even at seven educator with his children, I'm sure sees things of people being horribly rude about a woman's appearance and is taking it a different way of, if anyone said this about my kid, I would destroy them. Right. Absolutely. So I wonder if it's not so much a times were different in the eighties or we're woke or whatever, you know, thing like that. I think as we've gotten older and have kids, it's, I don't want them having this example and thinking this is okay. And it wasn't okay when I saw it, but I was too young to know better. And TV was my babysitter and no one else was in the room. <laughs> so I had no one to call it out then. I'm going to ask you a question, educator, because you're alluding to the end uh, of the things that Mabel and Sarah said. Now you said you were becoming fans of them. Okay, I just want to put that yeah. out there. All right, so yeah, I was. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'm just gonna read what was said during the credits first, uh, because you did make a, an allusion to it. Sarah and Mabel are talking in the back, um, and then one of them asked the other if they should invite Justice to a necktie party, and then they said, "No, maybe we should take her out to lunch instead of you know take her out to lunch, right?" Okay, so that was said. Here's my thing, and we have talked about this. We have talked about the comeuppance. There is no, there's no satisfying conclusion to any of the things that are said. No one gets what's coming to them. Could you make a case if we recut this and we took that credit scene and put it on the last episode, and then the next episode you lead with Justice wants to get her hands on them, for the things they said, that sort of way. Could that work in your mind? Obviously, um, what was said is is horrible and everything. And not only what was said, but then the girls making the gestures with the strings on their hood, pulling up, you know, suggesting it's like a noose. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, this was not good at all. But do you think if it was set up differently... And you still, if we recut it, and like I said, you ended one episode with that, and then the next episode, you should have Justice say, I want my hands on them, I'm going to teach them a lesson, yada, yada, yada. Could you essentially cobble a storyline out of that? I mean, it would be like a Vince Russo written type storyline for Shock <laughs> but, Valley. I mean, you got to remember, too, I mean, we're dealing with stuff Ugh. in the, the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. so... Um, you know, we're Maybe, looking at it with 2021 eyes. Of course. Yeah. Um, I, I possibly, but again, I'm just, I, just, I was just, I was troubled with the amount of stuff going on in this particular episode. And I just, that at the very end, just is like, Nope, that's it. I'm done. I'm over it. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a bad guy being a bad guy and saying bad guy things and doing bad guy stuff. But for most of Western literature, they have to get their comeuppance at that. Yeah, right. Even if they succeed at the end of act two and it seems 
darkest before the dawn, the hero still has to win that final act. You can push as far as you can. You could have Sarah and Mabel be, you know, the the new glow crown winners, but the next week someone's got to take them down. Like you have to eventually have them be defeated, and they're not here because nothing really matters overall in glow. Yeah, there's no there's no comeuppance. There's no bad people. And um, even with how this match ends up finishing, I mean, you you do have a schmaz finish with uh, a run in from the other. Uh, tag partner to to lead to a DQ finish, but ugh, it's just yeah. I just I was uncomfortable with the the tone, the implicate, you know, everything that was kind of implied. Yeah, it was supposed to be tongue in cheek, ha ha ha, eighties. You know, we're in a different world today. Now looking back at this, like there's no way in hell, obviously, this could happen today. But still, I mean, oh, it's just nuts. All right, Educator, why don't you go ahead and break down our first match? All right, so at the start of the match, we see Sarah trying to attack Justice, but Justice responds because she's taught much, so much taller than Sarah. She just sticks her hand out and, like, palms Sarah's forehead, and, like, Sarah's just trying to swing, like, come on, Spike, I'm going to get you, Spike, you know, kind of deal, just kind of holding her off. That was actually kind of a fun way to start the match. Um, we see Justice with a big scoop slam to take Sarah down to the canvas, Justice tries to hit a leg drop. Uh, that That's like her signature finisher maneuver, all ready to try to wrap up the match. But uh, Sarah ends up rolling out of the way. We see Sarah getting up. She does a kick to the gut and then hits a running headbutt into Justice's abdomen to back her into the corner. Sarah tries to do a second running charging headbutt into the abdomen, but Justice ends up catching her and ends up hitting like a kind of like a swinging neck breaker uh, to take Sarah down to the canvas. We see Justice with a side headlock. Sarah ends up elbowing her way out of the side headlock and then does a few double axe handles across Justice's back to continue uh, the momentum of breaking free. Sarah ends up doing a body slam to Justice and then does a few stomps onto uh, Justice's body. Uh, the last stomp that Sarah attempted, Justice as was able to catch her foot and ends up tossing Sarah up uh, and f- causing her to take a back bump onto the canvas. We see Justice ramming Sarah's head into the top turnbuckle multiple times. We see Justice struggle with a suplex attempt here. And commentary even suggested, oh, maybe Sarah's like dead waiting her or whatnot. But when Justice ended up picking Sarah up for that suplex, she ended up like botching it and almost dropping Sarah on her head like it was a brain buster. Uh, And it just was very scary looking to see that. Justice ends up hitting her big leg drop. Uh, She goes for the pinfall attempt, but Mabel ends up doing a run in into the ring and ends up instead of attacking Justice immediately, she ends up like stopping the ref from dropping his hand down for the three count. The referee immediately calls for a disqualification. Uh, But then as Sarah and Mabel are attacking Justice, double teaming, it was a weird visual that the two hooded ladies are attacking justice. You have the referee in the ring, not doing anything to stop, to intervene. And you've got ring announcer, Johnny C in the ring, announcing that the match has ended on a disqualification. And then he actually tries to intervene to try to pull one of the ladies off. He is successful, but ends up getting tossed off to the side. Uh, justice eventually does overcome and ends up tossing both of the ladies through the floor. Uh, through the through the ropes and onto the floor. 
Your winner of the match by disqualification advancing to the next round of the tournament is Justice. So did anyone notice Sarah choking the little boy during her entrance? <laughs> it was weird. She's like, instead of hugging, she pretends she's double choking yeah. the kid. It was crazy. Which I mean makes sense. Uh, we've talked about um, edits before. Justice having the the inset promo while Sarah's saying something in the ring really makes me think she said something that whatever Glove's line is, which should be further back than it apparently is, it was yeah. over the line. Yeah, so they're trying to like cover it all up. It was just weird. You've got Sarah responding to Justice's promo, and then now what, in the middle of the retort, we see an inset interview and like something must not have went right. Yeah. Um, I I have decided to dub the walking headlock after seeing Justice do it the angry headlock because it just seems like she's just got Sarah in this clutch and she doesn't know what she's doing with it but she just wants to take a minute hold Sarah there while figuring out her next move because she's so angry she can't think straight and parading around there's a couple other girls that do it too um, I also, cause I'm trying to come up with names and moves. It's not really like a, uh, no one has a dedicated finisher or anything, but, um, just as follows up her angry headlock there with a, what I'm calling a WTF shake, rattle and roll. I don't know what she was going for, <laughs> but that's what I'm going to call it for now. Uh, it was just really, really weird. And I couldn't stand, you're right. I couldn't stand the ending justice doesn't get the win she doesn't look good it continues for the next week like at some it, it, your sarah and mabel characters have to at some point be defeated and and thrown out a glow pretty much like you can have good diagava get away with saying stuff beastie you know old dementia doesn't say anything but you could have any other heel get away with stuff but these ones just push it too far and to continue my too much attention paid to the background did either of you notice the ridiculously tall cameraman he is standing on the floor and his head comes above the ring ropes. Like to the point where he's level with the women in the ring, even though he's standing on the floor. I double checked. I'm like, is he like kneeling on the mat on the canvas or something? Are, are the pants long covering up boots? Nope. He is standing on the floor. He is just that tall for it. Like probably taller than Daisy. John is he getting a lot of action lately in these matches too pays to be the boss <laughs> pays to be the boss so uh we followed that up with the dr feel and grope segment with daisy uh we get a shampoo commercial then we get zelda zingers and then we get match number two on the card which is big bad mama taking on daisy um of course i said this in episode uh right before this I, I really enjoyed this match. Am I crazy for thinking this might have been the best match we watched these uh, these two episodes? Absolutely. Not only, I mean, just like the change from, you know, Daisy being the heel to now like technically being a face and even commentary just even alluded to the fact that she's being more open. She's becoming more comfortable. Um, you know, she's she's just being uh, make, taking more risks and showing like she's decently athletic. I mean, she does try to do a running drop kick and she jumps like, and both legs extend rather than it's kind of like a jump kick, kind of like karate kick maneuver here. Um, she's yeah, she's become, it's becoming more and more 
uh, impressive to see her in-ring work actually further and develop as we continue through this series. I, I was stunned not only by Daisy's work here is fantastic, but Big Bad Mama, she didn't go for voodoo. She didn't go for any gimmicks, nothing else. It's just two giants of the glow ring going at it full force, too. Um, honestly, because Big Bad Mama being the only larger person on the heel side now, now that Daisy's flipped. But real a new, very interesting matchup between two of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, Educator, why don't you go ahead and break this one down? All right. So, we see both of the ladies. They lock up. Uh, Big Bad Mama ends up uh, tossing Daisy down to the canvas. Daisy does get up and does a big shoulder tackle to take Big Bad Mama down to the canvas herself. We see Daisy with an impressive-looking arm drag, and Big Bad Mama did turn over quite, quite well to take that bump. Daisy tries to do a running drop kick. Gets a pretty decent extension for her size. But Big Bad Mama ends up moving out of the way to avoid that collision. We see Big Bad Mama with a corner Irish whip. And she ends up doing a one-legged monkey flip to take Daisy over off to the canvas. Big Bad Mama with a big Boston crab. Daisy's struggling to escape. Uh, but at some one point, Big Bad Mama decides to release it as she realized she was not going to be able to get the submission. We see Daisy with a big running shoulder block and a corner Irish whip and the big diesel like Kevin Nash boot to take Big Bad Mama to uh, stagger her back. Daisy tries to do a second big boot, but Big Bad Mama ends up catching her foot and tosses Daisy back down to the canvas. We see Daisy uh, recover back. She does a hammer lock from behind uh, to Big Bad Mama, but Big Bad Mama is able to escape and ends up hitting a big scoop body slam to Daisy. We see Big Bad Mama hit a big corner Irish whip and then does a running charging avalanche to Daisy in the corner. Big Bad Mama does another Irish whip and she turns it into a big hip toss and then hits a running splash onto Daisy. Goes for the pinfall, but Big Bad Mama decides to pull up Daisy by her hair at the count of two. We end up seeing a big super glow motion replay cut away back to show the big uh, splash uh, and apparently during this time, Big Bad Mama decided to go get her chain, the chain that she had at the beginning of the match to show that she was going to use it to get Daisy back, uh, back into obedience. And apparently we cut back from the super glow motion replay and we see that Big Bad Mama is now choking Daisy with that chain. Referee ends up calling for a disqualification. Uh, the match then, or the segment finishes with Mountain Fiji coming down ringside and does a run-in save to pull Big Bad Mama off of Daisy, and then she can then uh, use her efforts to help Daisy out of the ring. Your winner of the match by disqualification due to the chain usage is Daisy. I think they kind of put themselves into a corner here with Mama hitting the big splash not the avalanche splash but the big splash to the mat on daisy no one should kick out of that and her hitting it i, I and then having pulled daisy up i think was the only way that you could do anything for it the only person that you should have maybe kick out of that would be mountain fiji but the whole point is she's not off her feet so she wouldn't be in a position to take that move anyways right but it, it just felt like they kind of worked themselves into a corner there and hit, oh, shoot, I'll, pu I'll pull her up for it. But it's also like there were a lot of things here that I'm thinking it could have been a finish. It could have been something. Um, 
Mama gives up the Boston Crab way too quick. Uh, actually, does a good airplane spin and then the avalanche splash. That could have been a three count right there. Daisy with some wrestling skills. I was impressed with the hammerlock coming out of her at all. I was impressed with anyone in Glow coming up with one. Um, even the start of the match, I don't know last time a Glow match started with a collar and elbow tie-up. Right. Like, even that I was shocked by. Uh, and then, again, we got an edit here. So whatever was going on with the chain, they thought was too much. And we had to switch over to uh, some super glow motion there. Next thing you know, it's a wide-angle camera lens there. And, and they, you know, Daisy's all tied up. Remind me a couple things. When when they go wide-angle, it was like uh, Taz putting the barbed wire around to Jerry. And then uh, just when they first lock up, it seemed like Daisy and Big Bad Mama were really happy to have someone else similar size that they can really wrestle with. It's kind of like when uh, Brock was standing in the ring at Royal Rumble and Keith Lee comes out. He's like, oh, here comes a big guy. Let's see what we can do. Right. Um, struggled with commentary, you know, kind of making wake jokes with the big splash about how the arena doesn't have a basement. And if she does it again, we probably would. You know, I mean, there's just no need for that. No, and I mean, the announcer's bad. If he only did it for, say, Big Bad Mama, between her being a heel and Big is in her name, I'd probably let it slide. But with him doing it for everyone, it well, not even ever, but for him doing it for so many people, it looks bad no matter who he does it for. Right. Uncalled for no matter what. So we go into Godiva's Bear Facts. We get an MTV's Glow Connection. And then we follow that up with match number three on the card, which is Dementia with MTV. (laughs) I don't know what's going on anymore. MTV struggling, dragging that cage to ringside with Dementia in it. And then uh, we get uh, taking on Lightning in uh, match number three. So what did you uh, guys think of this one? question for you guys and i don't know if i've just missed it with all of the different entrances we've seen lightning whether it's a singles or the tag with thunderbolt has she always worn that green cape that smaller green cape that she had i don't ever remember seeing that until this match i could be sometimes every so often they have come out with it but i think it's usually like by the time they do the entrance and it's a weird angle that they're coming out for and the crowd is around them and everything too and then they get in the ring and usually it cuts to Johnny C. By the time we would even see them, they're gone. Right. Um, lightning can work. Yeah. Uh, like she's like really good. And it's a shame that she didn't do anything that I'm aware of. Did she do anything else beyond glow after glow uh, in Memphis or anywhere? I mean, I don't obviously I don't recall her ever being a part of either AWA uh, in a substantial role or uh, anything NWA, you know, or WWE, WWF at the time. But man, her running the ropes back and forth like three or four times as quick as she was. And the hits that sunset flip was like, wow, this girl can go and she can move in the ring and everything. Her timing was great. I feel like, and I could be getting people confused. I feel like maybe she um, is a stunt woman too, or something like that. I think that's maybe. what she ended up doing. Um, I'm, I'm getting a lot of them confused. She is, I'm, I'm halfway through, but I started watching that glow documentary again and I watched it many, many years ago when it first came on. But with us doing this, I wanted to see it again. Uh, she seems like 
you know, still, well, I mean, it's a couple years old now, but still in really good spirits, looks good, happy about the experience, still loves everything for it. Like really, you know, comes across like it was one of her favorite things she ever did in her life. All right. So why don't you go ahead and break this one down for us? So we see the start of the match after Dementia is led to the ring in her cage. Uh, Dementia ends up attacking Lightning with a big double axe handle. And then she picks up Dementia with, or picks up Lightning with an, like, as if she's setting up for a pile driver. And, but it ends up being like an upside down bear hug. Now, we're probably very familiar with Rick Steiner in his time in NWA WCW. He would do a very similar maneuver, Laura. He would pick up his opponent like it's a power bomb or like it's um, like a pile driver, but it would be for the purposes of running and charging his opponent into the corner turnbuckle mm-hmm. where uh, he would then completely flop the, his opponent into the turnbuckle dementia ended up trying to do this with lightning but she ended up tripping on her feet and dropping lightning down and i thought she spiked lightning like i was concerned of a legit neck injury to lightning i kind of felt really really bad uh but it appears that she was okay uh because she continued the match and then she had an amazing set of spots afterwards but it was cringeworthy watching dementia try to do that similar like Rick Steiner maneuver and just like accidentally trip on her feet. Did she trip over her feet, her dress, the cape? Like it wasn't quite. There was, uh, there was something <laughs> that had to be that caused her feet to get tied up in something, but yeah. it was very cringeworthy. And when she flopped down, um, cause that certainly the spot was to try to do that maneuver into the corner. Um, but ooh, it was just scary, scary, scary. Lightning ends up recovering, uh, from that kind of botched spot, ends up hitting the ropes and charges like back and forth three times. Um, you know, dementia is like ducking a clothesline here or there. Uh, but then lightning hits a really smooth looking sunset flip onto dementia, ends up getting a one count from the referee. We see dementia with a choke and a scoop slam, uh, where she ends up basically tossing lightning over onto the top rope as opposed to dropping her on the canvas. We see Lightning with a with her back to the corner. She jumps up and does a double leg head scissors onto Dementia and then ends up pushing off of the corner uh, turnbuckle to turn it into like a Rana like rollover takedown uh, to take Dementia to the canvas. We see Lightning drop two jumping elbows onto a downed Dementia. We see Lightning with a running charge into a headlock into a takedown or a takeover. And then a uh, lightning ends up climbing onto the shoulders of dementia from the top corner turnbuckle and turns it into a full blown victory roll and does follow through with it, scoops up her legs and holds dementia down. One, two, three pinfall. Your winner of the match due to victory roll pinfall cradle is lightning. Let's not forget the third person in the match, big bird and getting the Cape put on him. Dementia throwing him up in the air, seeing if he can fly now with Lightning's cape. Honestly, my only complaint about Lightning's work at all is that she wasn't given a chance to really build up momentum. She would be able to get like one, two good, really good moves in, and then Dementia would take her down. Like, I would have liked to see Lightning, I, I mean, we would have to have a longer match and glow to start with anyways, but given a good four or five minutes where she's in control of the match and hitting a lot of this stuff. As opposed to just, you know, taking turns, which is more the glow style for anyways. 
Uh, you're right that that inverted bear hug thing is very scary, and I'm shocked that nothing worse happened there. Uh, I don't know, like the ending still came out of nowhere. I really thought Dementia was winning it, despite how good Lightning was doing. I really just assumed it was Dementia's match, and it just seems like a, a farmer's daughter, farmer's role thing here, and a surprise win. I was honestly shocked. Because like you're saying with Sarah and Mabel beforehand, here's someone who is in a tag team. Like the superheroes are legit a tag team. It makes sense for them to be together. Like Beastie and Godiva can be their own gimmicks apart. Shine share changing into, you know, the, the Indian gimmick when she's not usually when she's not tag. I was really shocked to see a quote tag wrestler get the win over Dementia, who's absolutely a singles wrestler for it. And I I honestly could have given them 15 minutes and see what could have happened here. Yeah. So we follow that up with Beastie's Beanery. We get our shampoo commercial. We get Mountain Fiji's dream sequence with Justice. And that leads to match number four on the card, which is a run for the Rubies tournament match, which is Godiva. Of course, she's coming out with the horse, with Beastie, the whole nine yards, and she's taking on Tiffany Mellon. Commentary was so ridiculously annoying during this match, continuous, continuously brutalizing Godiva, uh, body shaming her, fat shaming her. It was ridiculous. Uh, just over-the-top stuff. Um, to me, botched finish with the pinfall. Hallions, what do you think? I mean, that weird bridge that she does to try to cover for it. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't mind it. Right, but but it did seem like it took two, three attempts to get yeah, not even right, but good enough. Um, did you also notice Godiva got way more cheers from the crowd than Tiffany? Right, I, I agree. I, I don't get. They should be flipped. Yeah, yeah. One, I, I don't understand why. I I feel like they're really trying to push Tiffany. I mean, she gets the glow gossip. And mm-hmm. I don't like her like yeah. personally, not her as a person, but her, her character, like it's not connecting. I don't see why they thought it would be a good face. And my biggest fear is they're going to put the crown on her because they have her in the front. She's, she's like the first segment we see, like, I, I feel like she, they feel like she's a bigger star than what she actually is. I, I think because of her chest, they decided that she's going to be the most popular one and should be the face. The face? The face. Is that what you're going for? <laughs> of glow with, with the gossip and all the other stuff for it. And also to be a face and not a heel. When really just her natural attitude here, she would make much more sense as a heel. Absolutely. Plus Marvel. her character. Yeah. Yeah. Rich snob Kimbick. Yeah. Like Roxy is fine as a face. She doesn't really, you know, she's not really snotty stuck up attitude, even though they're partners. But Tiffany absolutely is. I just And Godiva, you could easily switch to a face. I just don't get it. I don't get it. But uh educator, why don't you go ahead and, and break down this match? So commentary reminds us that this is a run for the Rubies match. Both of the ladies are taking this very seriously. 
Uh, commentary said, you know, reminded us that Tiffany had put in extra hours at the gym while Godiva put in extra hours at the coffee shop. Again, no need for that whatsoever. Do they mean, Do they mean she's poor and needs a side job? Like, right. you know, I don't know. So the girls charge uh, from opposite ropes towards each other. They both collide. Uh, body presses in the ring. Uh, they end up hitting and falling backwards onto the canvas. We see Godiva with a decent-looking running drop kick to take Tiffany Mellon down to the canvas. Godiva does two snap nares to take Tiffany over, but Tiffany ends up reversing a third attempt and does a double nair to take them both over onto the canvas. Godiva ends up recovering, and she does a headlock and hits a decent-looking running bulldog. Godiva tries to do a second running bulldog, but Tiffany Mellon ends up just shoving her into the corner. We see Tiffany Mellon with a big waist lock and turns it into like a big Bubba bomb. Remember Bubba Ray Dudley with his big full Nelson and do like an atomic sit down, atomic drop bomb. And uh, we get to see some uh, very interesting camera shots of both of the ladies and their uh, their gear here with this big Bubba bomb like maneuver here. Godiva does recover, tosses Tiffany Mellon into the corner and hits her running uh, Buckingham bounce Bronco Buster in the corner. We see Godiva with an impressive full surfboard submission onto Tiffany Mellon. Godiva ends up releasing it, which again, I don't understand why Big Bad Mama would release the Boston Crab, why you know Godiva would release the the surfboard. There's no like pinfall that's being counted against her with her shoulders to the mat. Why release this submission? But she ends up releasing the submission. Godiva does hit an Irish whip and turns uh, Tiffany Mellon into a big scoop slam pickup, but ends up dropping her pretty stiff over her knee for a big backbreaker. Tiffany Mellon tries to battle back and reverses a slam attempt and ends up turning it into basically like a hip toss or almost like a roll. Uh, Godiva picks up Tiffany Mellon into like a pile driver like position, but somehow Tiffany Mellon is able to grab her hair while she's upside down in the pile driver that causes Godiva to drop her down and Tiffany Mellon's still holding on to the hair. So it ends up turning it into like a, a rollover bump for, uh, Godiva. And after that rollover bump, we see this weird, awkward, delayed bridged pinfall attempt where Tiffany Mellon has Godiva's shoulders to the mat, and the referee counts a big one, two, three victory. Your winner, uh, and advancing to the next round through an awkward botched bump roll through, is uh, Tiffany Mellon. Godiva should have won. Godiva looks great here. Absolutely. Um, starting off with the two of them just running into each other full force, knocking each other down. I was like, well, that's different. That got the match going. Uh, Godiva drop kick snapmare. She's got that rolling snapmare where she rolls two with other opponent. She hits a bulldog. She does the surfboard like she does a backbreaker. Godiva is working so hard in this match. She's doing so much, and Tiffany just not. Um, the uh, the Bubba sit down bomb there, or as they called it, the Keister Buster. Very interesting, and and you're right. Very interesting camera angles here as well. Kind of remind me, like, didn't ECW have the pervert cams for a little bit, or uh, even like Velvet Sky's uh, TNA entrance? And, and I, there's a difference between someone like a, a Velvet Sky or a Stacy Keebler. Like, I'm well aware of what's going on here, and I'm gonna ham it up and, right. and go, you know, to a level of excess here. And these two, like, just trying to wrestle a match in their yeah. gear, and someone out, like the cameraman taking advantage of yeah. the angles. It's I mean, a different story. 
double spread eagle left very much nothing to the imagination there whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure how well this is going to come out. I am all for showing yourself off and certain camera angles and stuff like that, as long as the people on camera approved of it. Right. There's nothing wrong with looking at pretty ladies as long as they know, you know, as long as they're agreeing to it and stuff. And I don't, th- I got to imagine that if they watch this, they'd be upset. Like, listen, we just busted our ass out there and that's what you're focusing on. Um, And you're right that it, it doesn't even seem a botch. Like Tiffany was supposed or like good. was supposed to win. Tiffany messed up. It just seemed like Tiffany flat out messed up. Whatever the move was supposed to be to lead to it. Right. This match is like pretty much all Godiva for the most part. Like Tiffany does stuff, but it's nothing big and then gets the win. She really shouldn't have. I was disappointed with it. Oh, I forgot though. I was shocked by this. Was was Godiva digging her elbow into Tiffany's eye or into her face? When they were in the corner, it looked like it was like right into her eye. I'm thinking, holy God. Like, that's a pretty aggressive move here. Right, right. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, Godiva's a star in this match. So impressed with her. So annoyed at the announcer. <laughs> and just when we think he can't get any worse, though. <laughs> All right, so we are back in reform school with Sarah and Mabel. We get our shampoo commercial. We get country girl dates. Uh, educator, do you want to add anything to this reform school? You're using proper vocabulary. Today's word of the week tariff we tariff most of our opponents i don't even think that one's a good one that's like one of the worst nah, ones not, yeah it is. isn't yeah. that on pbs kids like word of the week there's a little jingle yeah. or something i don't know, I don't know. Um, it's a whole it's a whole thing so anyways we get our main event guys and our main event's a big grudge match here we get major tanya taking on face nanachka um so nanachka she's a face now Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I, the no. the gear is not good. Number one, uh, it's it's just not good gear. But her whole character isn't the character you liked, and I hate that. Right. The one thing that made Stone Cold so popular was Stone Cold was the same person whether he was a face or heel. He never really changed right. him. Right. Um. So, you know, doing from face to heel turns like that. You want to be rooted in the same person. You just are going after. You got different targets and you're you're going after different things. So, uh, but what what did you guys think of this? It was a little shocking to see her come I, out in all pink. Shocking to see her come out in all pink. I, I mean, there's been now, what, five episodes that like five of their television episodes since she's been was last on TV and she relinquished the clown like four or five. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. How long do you think there was between tapings? Because when she came out, it was very noticeable that she looks different. I mean, we, we I don't the... remember her. I don't know if it was her other gear was just a heck of a lot more flattering being more darker and, and having the belt or whatnot on it. But she it was very visible she had gotten thicker and unfortunately commentary was just absolutely brutal and relentless 
on the fact that the the gear change and her increase in size, man, it they he was not gonna let her go uh, whatsoever unscathed, and it, he just would not let go. Oh, I mean, we've made the jokes before about this seems like a different season entirely. Like there was a year in between. There was definitely months in between, though, especially had, in between her appearances. There had to be. Now I do. We can. The announcer's bad for things he says. We've gone over that. Agree. But I do like some of the things he's saying about Nanachka here with her being a sellout. And if they went with that character, I'd be all for it. She turned right. her back on her partner. She turned her back on the other heels. She has no loyalty to anyone. You can't trust her. That could be an interesting character. The faces don't want her and the heels don't want her. Can I also ask, too, why did they say she's living in Paris, France now? I'm guessing it's the ballerina again. Part of the gimmick. But why not yeah. say she's she turned face, the crowd's behind her. Why not? Why isn't she from America? I don't get that. That's right. Or now resides in Las Vegas. Right. And she could do a, yeah. like a Vegas showgirl gimmick or something like that. It's just, I don't know. It's a little frustrating. Not frustrating, but it's just kind of sad to see. Especially, too, at least Daisy, she turned face. She got the rap after. This is the mm. first time we've seen Nanachka since her um, relinquishing the crown. So really, this is the first time we've seen her as a face, and it just, I don't know. I feel like no one knows what they're doing with the characters right. in this cluster. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Educator, why don't you go ahead and break down our main event? All right. So Major Tanya and Nanachka, they start the match locking up. We see Nanachka hit a running drop kick. Uh, Tanya ends up doing uh, a, a version of her own as well and counters back. Uh, so they knock each other back with their own versions of the drop kick. We see Major Tanya with a single leg monkey flip taking Nanachka over to the other side of the canvas. Uh, at one point, we hear the commentator referring to Nanachka as the pink elephant in this match. Uh, we see Nanachka uh, and Tanya go back and forth. We They trade two-handed arm drags. Roll, they're rolling and bumping for each other in the ring. We see at one point Tanya with a big scoop slam. And then she holds a side headlock onto Nanachka. Tanya rams Nanachka's head into the top turnbuckle, tries to do a waist lock, and then commentary with another sarcastic joke about how Major Tanya might not be able to get her hands around Nanachka anymore for that waist lock takeover. Uh, we see Tanya with a big bear hug as she's sitting on the corner turnbuckle, a uh, big bear hug yanking up on Nanachka. Tanya does an Irish whip. Tanya tries to do a back body drop to send Nanachka over the top rope onto the floor, but uh, Nanachka's momentum is able to carry Tanya over the top rope onto the floor itself. Commentary again, poking fun at Nanachka in the change, uh, talking about how she was barely able to get over to the top rope now. Uh, we see Nanachka with a big punch in the gut, and she ends up ramming Tanya into the post multiple times. The girls continue to battle back and forth, uh, and eventually we end up getting a double countout finish. And again, with the continued mockery of Ninochka, commentary makes a comment about how Ninochka is a bloated shadow of herself. Um, she'll escape this match with her stretch marks still intact. I mean, he was just not, relentless at just destroying her. Um, match finishes with both of the girls brawling at ringside and it turns into a double count out finish. 
I thought him calling her the blob was the by far the worst thing I've heard. And like, does it look like she has some extra weight? Sure, but she doesn't look unattractive. She doesn't look unhealthy. She doesn't look like there's anything wrong. It's just, yeah, she looks different than she looked beforehand. You know, just during quarantine, a lot of us look different than we did before. (laughs) You know, people going back to work and you're like, speaking of speaking of guys, uh, when are we going to all you can eat sushi? (laughs) (laughs) See, but that's that's healthy gluttony. Okay. Okay. Um, I really think, especially with the ending with the double count out, that no one knows what's going on with Nanachka. Now, when we did the crossover with that odds, uh, Joe found um, ep- or a match that Nanachka had in AWA. So she did wrestle for other promotions. Maybe there was negotiation. Maybe they didn't know if she was going to still be around anymore. Maybe it was, we'll come back and, and do this match. Maybe, she, uh, like, I haven't looked ahead. Maybe she does one more to close it out. You know, I'm not sure what's going on, but I don't think they know if they're going to heal her face with her, if they're going whatever gimmick direction, or even if she's going to still be around to do anything with her. But it doesn't, just insulting her doesn't seem the way to go for it either. It's bad. Tanya looked good. You know, Nanashka looked all right. Like, it wasn't a bad match for what little they were in the ring, but boy... When you have an announcer just take away from the match to this level, it really hurts everything. Yeah, it was so ridiculously over the top and unnecessary. The announcer's putting himself over at the expense of the late what's going on in the ring, which is the crazy thing to me is she's the face. Like, <laughs> why are you attacking yeah. your your baby face and not your heel? Like, it's just oh, it's stupid. It makes zero sense, but. So after our main event, we get our mirror mirror segment. We get Cheyenne shares Indian folklore. We get our don't do drugs PSA for Hollywood. We get our run for the rubies commercial. We get credits. And then of course, this is where we see the Sarah and Mabel comments about justice. And we get Johnny C dealing with big bad mama at the end. And again, another fat shaming deal where Johnny C is making a comment that now she's got to pay rent for two. Because of her size. So, I mean, it's just crazy. Do you think it gets better? I, obviously, I'm guessing no, but... <laughs> <ugh. laughs> it, it's just such frat room, frat boy yeah. writing for stuff. It's very simple. It's very misogynistic. And, and here's the thing. I don't. Maybe I just had been missing it just focusing on the notes for the play, you know, the, the replay of the match and whatnot. But I like went out of my way to make sure I tried to pay attention more. And I just don't know why I just picked up on so much of it in this one episode in particular. It's just, ugh. I thought that like the music wasn't as egregiously bad, like over sometimes for the last few episodes, I haven't even been, I've been, haven't even heard what the announcer was saying because Right of the volume levels on the, the net sync, sound, right. the the music and whatnot, and I thought these two episodes it was much much better leveled out, like it's been fixed whatever the issues were. So like I was able to hear Zelda zingers perfectly fine, like I was able to hear this fine, that fine, you know everything whatsoever. So um, I, I thought that was the reason why it was more noticeable, at least on my end. Right. 
I, I really thought he just went further. I think it's unfiltered. No one's telling him to stop, and it's going to get worse. Well, I guess we'll find out next week, guys. <laughs> um, so overall, what you think of the two episodes? I, I thought the last episode we watched was the hardest one to get through, personally. Um, I did enjoy Daisy Big Mama. Uh, Big Bad Mama, but that was the only match I thought was actually pretty good. There wasn't really anything that stuck out. Um, Godiva versus um, Tiffany Mellon, we, we've seen it before, so it wasn't anything new. I think for the most part, a lot of them, as we've said with this weird extra season, have improved and it made it easier to watch certain matches. But then they've increased other bad things like the announcers and Sarah and Mabel that as much as you're improving in ring, you're decreasing in other aspects. But hey, we were given a heads up that next week we're going to finally see a, a, a new member of the roster. Apparently Stinky has a tag partner and maybe it's that girl in blue that we're still trying to figure out who in the world is she sitting at the ringside on the near the apron turning the glow ring wrap. So who knows? What did they say your name is Sleazy? Sleazy or Slinky or something like that. I don't know. All right, we will find out next week. Um, I guess that'll do it for us here at the House Glow. Another great episode, guys. Hey, we did it. Always. We powered through as always, baby. Um, Educator, what do you want to say to the people out there? Thank you guys so much for continuously giving us your support, tuning in on Thursday, our hot tags that we drop on Monday. By all means, please go check out the Retro Network and peruse through the various offerings that they have. Check out their other podcasts. Support, as always, the Retro Network. Please and thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say you can follow me always online at Maddie Treats. That is at Maddie Treats. Of course, thank you to the Retro Network. Uh, thank you to my two co-hosts. Uh, thank you to Two by TV for providing the content. I stole that from you, Kevin. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just thanks to everyone that that supports us. It really does mean a lot. And Mr. Hallians, why don't you take us home? All right. Thank you guys for another great show. Thank you to the Retro Network for hosting us. Thank you to Richard Reader and Jason Gross for our logo. You can follow us across the internet at TRN House Show. You can follow Matt online at Maddie Treats. You can follow me online at Masked Library. MaskedLibrary.com is the home blog. Go ahead and check out the show notes for Patreon, for links to our merchandise, and for all sorts of fun stuff. And, guys, I have a question for you. I had to do a little research um, after the main event here. Do you know what Ninochka a tick and the Eiffel Tower all have in common. They are all Paris sites. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.